Creature o'clock. So ring that buzzer. It sounds like a lion roar. Roar! And open the door to join us for the 63rd meeting of the Animal Fan Club. I'm constantly growing in size, or Mike. And I'm an alien creature that resembles a kitten with whiskers that sense your fear. Meredith. We meet every week at our clubhouse that we like to call the Dalmatian Station. Arf! To talk about our favorite animals. What we lack in expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow! So, saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom in a mile. Yeah. Boom. Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! Okay, Meredith. What? First of all, um, I'm just jumping right in. You and Anthony need to go on Amazon Prime. Okay. And you need to watch Gary Busey Pet Court. You know what's so funny is I have seen this and I told my brother about it because it just seemed like something he would, you know, appreciate. And he was like obsessed with it. And I still haven't watched it, even though I was the one that told him about it. Oh. (laughs) I know I need to do it. Oh. I mean, you know, <laughs> these are not real people and these are not real cases, but they are real I'm, pets. I'm here for it. I don't know that the pets are real even, honestly. So what like what happened or give me an example of like a case that's tried in the court of Busey. <laughs> well, there was a case where the woman wanted to cremate the cat and put the cat in a cat mausoleum that she built with her father and she had a picture and it didn't look like she had built it with her father. And then the other guy wanted to do, like, a Viking funeral for the cat. Was this a shared cat? Was this, like, a couple in court? Yeah, they were married. They loved each other. Oh. It was the only thing they disagreed on. So, to like, would a Viking funeral for a cat be to, like, send it out on a pyre or something? Yeah. It sounded like they lived in a sort of development, and there was, like, a retention basin pond, yes. <laughs> and they were going to send it out on that, and it was going to burn up. Wow. Meanwhile, all the children of the neighborhood are terrified. I mean, yeah, I don't think that they were considered in Gary Busey's pet court. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Henderson lit a cat on fire. Uh, how was how was your week in animals, Meredith? I mean, like, pretty, pretty uh, low-key, unfortunately. I'm not spending any time really outside these days because it's, like, too cold to run, really. So I haven't been, like, getting my good dog sightings in like I used to. Uh-huh, sure. So, I mean, I'm really into this show right now called Grant Chester on, it's a PBS masterpiece mystery thing, and he has a black lab, so the main character, the vicar, um, Sidney Chambers is his name. He has a black lab named Dickens, and I like that. That's I mean, a cute name. Dickens is cute, isn't it? Yeah. It's because, like, his housekeeper always goes, what the Dickens? So they named the dog Dickens. <laughs> I'm, ugh, where would I be without my PBS? I'm just, I'm, it's keeping me going these days. That's all. That's all. That's all I got is Dickens. Well, bless you for that. Um, Yeah, I mean, all I have is Gary Busey's Pet Court. Uh, there's no ephemeris shelf update. I I have. Same. I, 
I previously had a sconce story that I can recount where like I got these sconces that plug into the wall, but also or they like they both plug into the wall and screw into the wall. You know, you like screw them into the wall and then there's like a plug dangling down and then you plug them in. Yes. You can also hardwire them into the wall, but I don't have I don't I'm not about to do that. <laughs> you don't have clearance for that. Like I have zero interest in doing that. <laughs> no. Nah. So at any rate, (laughs) so I've, I've moved the sconces. That's like kind of a shelf, like screwing things into wall update, but yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what else I have. The snow was really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It was that type of snow that really clings to the trees. Yesterday it was gorgeous. Yes. And those big, those big chonky chonk flakes. Yeah. Chonk flakes. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. I was, I ran into my neighbor, um, She's one. She has a. I don't know her at all. I just know her and her dog. Um, she has a chocolate lab. It's like really ancient, and but was so like jazzed up by the snow that she was like bounding up the stairs. And normally she'll just kind of like creep up because she's just an old doggo. But you could tell like the snow had her just like so pumped uh-huh. up and like energized. Yeah, that's adorable. Really cute. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, um, you want to kick it off? I think you go first. Well, I sure do. And I can't say that I'm excited about this, but yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's full steam ahead. Are you ready for that taxonomy cheer? Ready? It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Taxonomy you. Taxonomy we. Taxonomy who. Taxonomy. Kingdom. In Amelia. Flap those wings and flip those fins. Phylum. Arthropoda. Oops, no wings or fins here. Class. Maxillopoda. A diverse order of crustaceans. Order. Cecila. Get off your lazy butts. Family. Coronulidae. These are whale barnacles. Genus. Carnula. It's a genus of whale barnacles. Species. Carunula diadema. Please don't make me look at one more picture of these things. It's a whale barnacle, okay? I'm not going to force you to do anything, Meredith. I just want to say that. Oh. You had so previously seemed so excited about barnacles. You've really turned on them. I'm a little shocked. They are gross, man. I don't like, I don't like them. I don't like looking at them. I don't like thinking about them. And, oh, gosh, the pictures are just, they, they're, okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. It's just the first thing I have after my tax cheer in here is just, ew. Like last week with the lemmings, it was cute. This week is ew. And I'm sorry, I'm not really sure like why they yuck me out so much, but I don't think I'm alone in that. Like one of my closest friends has always had like a real phobia of them. And then I was looking through comments on different YouTube videos about barnacles and so many people were like really grossed out. And I can't, it's not like they're gross necessarily, but there's just something about them that's like, ugh. But we'll talk about it. Okay. Tax facts. Phylum. Arthropoda. So an invertebrate animal. As we know, arthropods are invertebrates with exoskeleton segmented bodies. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yep. Pair jointed appendages. Yada, yada, yada. So yeah, that is the barnacle we're talking about here. So class Maxillopoda is a diverse class of crustaceans. So barnacles are like related to crabs and lobsters. Like what the f- what? I thought they were just like I thought they were more closely related to I don't know maybe like a mussel or something or a Yeah, uh, I don't 
I know. Oh I'm like already mad. Why? <laughs> Why? Like, the, I don't know. These barnacles, they're already kind of. And these are going to attach to whales later. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. Just hold is hold on. I mean, <laughs> make like a barnacle and hold on. So, class, Maxillopoda, a diverse class of crustaceans. So, remember, crustaceans are that subphylum where our crab friends and lobster friends hang out. Um, also, in this class are copepods, copepods, or copepods, um, which are, like, tiny little crustaceans that apparently kind of, like, live everywhere, and they're planktonic, I guess. Okay. So, the order... Of Cecila, which we're going to just sit on for a while because... They're sessile? Yes! You called it. I didn't even Ah, have to... ah. I didn't even have to bait you with that. So... Cecila. Yes. She's breaking my heart. (laughs) I just listened to that yesterday. Breaking my confidence daily. So the Cecilia, and you you nailed it by saying that they're sessile, which again means they're immobile. But that's only like when they hit kind of the mature phase of their life cycle, as we'll talk about. So in their adult form, the barnacle attaches to something and stays there, like its whole life, until or until it gets like scraped off or something. But even then, I'm not sure what happens if a live barnacle gets scraped off. I guess that's like dem, dems the brakes, kid. Good luck attaching to another whale. I don't know. I didn't come across that. But anyway, so the Cecilia are also known as the acorn barnacles because they kind of, I guess, resemble an acorn. I think they resemble something else. But, and this is unlike the goose barnacle, which it's called a goose barnacle because it doesn't attach, as we'll talk about with the acorn acorn barnacles, but it kind of attaches with like a stalk. That kind of resembles a gooseneck. Okay, cool. You're speaking my language. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, well, there's a gooseneck symbol. There's like a gooseneck symbol stand as a type of symbol. I thought I've considered oh. <laughs> frequently the shape of a goose's neck. I see. Okay. Just again, generally, we're just talking kind of about this order, Cecilia, which is the acorn barnacles, which encapsulates all of these barnacle species, um, including the whale barnacles, which are their own family of coronulidae. Oh, okay. The coronas. These are called encrusters since they attach themselves to and grow on like a substrate. So a substrate is some sort of surface. So sometimes it's a rock. Sometimes it's like a ship. Sometimes it's a pylon. Sometimes it's a turtle, a sea turtle. Sometimes it's a whale, which is the case here. So I think the best thing to do first is just to kind of talk about the life cycle of any given acorn barnacle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would just like to go on to the record that I'm I'm not actually curious about the reproductive methods of the barnacle, but hit me with them. I'm not either. But you're look, this one, there's some fun stuff in here, I will say. Okay. Okay. So a fertilized egg that's been released into the water, hatches into a nop, a nop, nopleus, or nopleus, which is a one-eyed larva comprising a head and a telson. So a telson being that little, almost like a tail. Yeah, tail thing, yeah. Tail part of the segmented arthropod 
right. body. Right. Like um, the terminal segment, I think, yeah. is the technical definition of telson. But it's not like a full-fledged segment, like a thorax or an abdomen. And they don't have a thorax or abdomen. Oh, okay. And so they go through six molts. You know, we love talking in stars. So here they are. All right. After their six molts, they transform into the cyprid stage. So this is the last stage before adulthood, and they don't feed at all. Their main mission is just to find a place to, like, attach. (laughs) Just to find a place to hang their hat, or their body, in this case. So this stage lasts from, like, days to weeks, and here's where it gets weird. So actually, a barnacle is this crustacean creature that's been free-floating, and then it finds, say, in this case, like, a whale tail to attach to. And it takes, like, one of its little antennas, which creates what's called, like, cement in this case. It's supposed to be, like, one of the strongest bonding substances in nature. So, essentially, it sticks its forehead onto the substrate, whatever it is. So, it's kind of like laying, like, belly belly to whale. And then (laughs) it builds up this and then grows that shell, that kind of calcium carbonate chitinous shell that we've talked about with other creatures Uh in like six plates up around its body and that little creature is just there like like stuck to the whale on the inside of those plates and that's where it will remain all stuck on there forehead to forehead stuck to whale flesh Uh, forehead to the whale yeah Okay, okay. You know, it's funny because I think sometimes about like our inclination to like nuzzle up to other things that we like and like dogs and cats. It's like, you know, we kind of like put our foreheads into it. Yes. So maybe it's just that the barnacle likes to cuddle, you know? <laughs> you don't want to cuddle with a barnacle? I sure don't. So this is where it gets sexy. So barnacles are, or this kind of barnacle is hermaphroditic. Um, So this, and being that they're sessile or sessile, it's hard for them to reproduce. um, And they can't like leave their shells to mate with other barnacles. So what this article said, to facilitate genetic transfer between isolated individuals, barnacles have extraordinarily long penises. Barnacles probably have the largest penis to body size ratio of the animal kingdom, up to eight times their body length. What? But I actually heard in another like YouTube video, it's 20 times. It could be up to 20 times their body length. So they just send out their penis and kind of like root around for like a neighboring barnacle hole to stick it into. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. They're... Um... It's kind of like the mantis cars on the subway. Do you ever see those little crane cars where they can like spin out and then like go over? No. (laughs) Um, uh, That's what it makes me think of. So it's like fixed to the ground and it's kind of like, or or a whale, the substrate. Yes. And then it's weenie kind of like snakes out like a sort of like tentacle and just kind of like reaches around in the hopes (laughs) that a female is within Dick's reach. Wow. Yeah. Or I guess like, but they're all hermaphroditic. So I guess they would just need to find a, another. Another. Are you my species? <laughs> yeah. And I Here, think like. Here's some spermatophore. Yeah. Here's my nuptial gift. <sighs> but they're, they also use like <laughs> sperm casting as well. So again, it's that like. <laughs> and then they just send like thousands of little 
gametes out into the ocean and hope it settles into another barnacle hole. <sighs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the appearance of these guys, especially, so now, like, I couldn't find anything about the, the genus of this particular whale barnacle species. I know it's Coronula. Coronula. It's just a genus of whale barnacles until I get to the Coronula diadema, which is a specific species of whale barnacle that attaches primarily to humpback whales. So, like, species of barnacles will specialize in species of whales. Like, you'll probably find a particular, like, on a humpback whale, you'll probably find all the same species of barnacle. On, like, a gray whale, you'll find all one species of barnacle. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you can look these up online, picture it. And to me, it almost looks like, so the outer shell kind of looks like a very fancy, like, you know, those, like when you go to a nice brunch place or a nice dinner place and they'll have like little pats of butter that are in the mold of something. They'll like be like little rosettes of butter or something. It's like butter. It's not just in a simple pat shape. It's like. Yeah. It'll be like like in the shape of like a shell. Yes, exactly. A swan or something sure these kind of look like like little like fancy butter like filigreed butter pats out of which just it looks like like vag lips like poking out. jesus christ Meredith. so i look at these things and they just like they like purse little <laughs> lips ew <laughs> i'm looking at pictures of them now aren't they gross they're kind of they're a little bit more gross than i thought they were yeah they're pretty oh but so out of that that opening, um, they'll they'll like send out their thing called like Siri. C- yeah, so they have these appendages that they kind of push out of the little hole and they rhythmically kind of flutter. So it's almost like a fan or like a long eyelash or something. Sure. That they like kind of just move back and forth in like a fan like motion, and that kind of filters food out of the passing water, which can be like. Food particles, plankton, anything. Then they just kind of bring it and draw it into their mouth inside that, like, butter pat (laughs) structure. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, the majority of what I have. I really... Yeah. I mean, okay. Didn't love this one, but I learned a lot. Like, I had really no idea that they there was, like, a little creature inside that kind of, like, calcinous, hard thing yeah i guess i never like put together all the pieces right i don't think i ever really wanted to and i still don't (laughs) yeah well i guess you've learned that the hard way yeah but um so i did mention really quickly that they they do like to attach to whales but actually it doesn't either it doesn't really harm or help the whale in any way like they're just kind of there existing together sure so this relationship would be called like commensual as opposed to like mutualistic, which oh, is, which would help the whale, or um, what would it be parasitic if it's like living off the whale and harming it in some way? Then it would be parasitic. But yeah, but other kinds of barnacles, like non-whale ones, can do a lot of damage to ships and things. Like they have to be scraped off because they can add a lot of weight, extra weight to a ship, and like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And it can really, like, mess up the drag of the water over the ship. So 
Um, Barnacles. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering when they die, do they fall off I, because their cement gland is stopped secreting or do they just... I guess. I don't know. I didn't really read anything about like end of life care for these guys. Sure. Like I just, I don't know. I'm not sure what happens. I know whales will, um, like they'll kind of scrape them off sometimes. Sometimes they'll like get knocked off in like whale fights or... <laughs> or sometimes I'll punch you so hard I'm gonna knock barnacles off. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, any questions? <laughs> traumas? No, no, lots of traumas. Yes, no questions. Plenty of traumas. Thank you, barnacles. Thanks, Barnes. <laughs> Man, break time. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, Lou! I never know when to broadcast Spawn. And I never can keep track of my chitin, Christina. I think it's Monday, but I'm not sure. Are you a disorganized mollusk? I can't remember the start time for that meeting. I can't remember where I parked my shell. I'm always getting confused in the substrate. Do you struggle with tracking all your information? Ugh, I never remember the waifu password. I think my siphon security number starts with a seven. I can't find my larva support payment schedule. Rand Clubby is proud to announce Mollusk Manager, the new Mollusk organizational system from Brand Clubby. I love Brand Clubby! They are such a forward-thinking company. And have several outstanding products for the noble phylum Mollusca. Mollusk Manager is a cross-platform application that automatically syncs with your Mantle profile and secures all your information in a quack hacker-proof fourth-generation chip technology. It syncs with my eel phone. And uses my scaphopod print to log me in. I'll never be troubled with remembering anything ever again! Ha ha ha! That's right, Christina. And Lou won't ever forget that their siphon security number actually starts with a five. <laughs> Lou is so forgetful. Wait, what were we talking about? Brand Clubby's new Mollusk Organizational System Mollusk Manager. Oh, cool. Give me your eel phone. I'll help you sign up. Look at sweet Christina setting a good example for her community. Log on now and tell all your friends about Mollusk Manager, the new Mollusk organizational system from Brand Clubby. Ha ha ha! Animal jokes! Ha ha ha! Are always funny! Ha 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 ha! Welcome back to the Animal Comedy Hour! Put those flappers together, everybody, and welcome to the stage, Penguin Boundstone! Thanks, Pat and Ocelot! You're my favorite, man! Alright! What happens to a frog's car when it breaks down? It gets towed away! What did the judge say when a skunk walked into the courtroom? Odor in the court! Odor in the court! What's the difference between a politician and a snail? One is slimy, a pest, and leaves a trail everywhere, and the other is a snail! <laughs> Thanks everyone, you've been great as always! Now I'm gonna pass them back to Pat and Ocelot! <laughs> What's Peter Panther's favorite day of the week? Catterday! <laughs> 
What's every Pomeranian's favorite movie? Wizard of Paws, starring Judy Barkland. Have you heard the story about the city dog born and raised in South Detroit who took the midnight train going anywhere? Well, it's a great story. It's called Don't Stop Retrieving. Hold on to that tennis ball. Street light is a people. Y'all been great. Thank you. It's a good night, everybody. Ha ha ha. Animal jokes. Ha ha ha. Are always funny. Ha 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 ha. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who? Texana me. Kingdom. Animalia. We're not talking pillows. Philo. Nadaria. I'm in a jelly jam. Class. Hydrozoa. Polypoidin, medusoid. Order. Siphonophore, physiologically integrated. Family. Physalidae, we've really narrowed it down. Genus. Physalia, I'm starting to see a trend. Species. Physalis, that's not a pill for boners, it's the Portuguese man of war. It's more than just one man, cause it's colonial. The Portuguese man of war, Meredith, so you're familiar with this creature. This is... I did a project on him in fifth grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, we'll see how much you remember. Nothing. And you can be my fact checker. <laughs> okay. I am really into this phylum right now, the Nadaria, the jelly creatures. There's 11,000 species. They're mostly marine. Their defining characteristic is their nidocytes, which are specialized cells that they mainly use for capturing prey, and that's they sting. And uh, they do include, it. In, this includes jellies and jellyfish. That's most gelatinous creatures is mostly what's going on in Nadaria land. And that's because they're made up with mesoglea, a non-living jelly-like substance. And it's sandwiched between two layers of epithelium, which is like the skin tissue, remember? Yeah. Epithelium, connective tissue, muscle tissue, and nervous tissue. Those are the four tissue types. We get to the class, hydrozoa. We have a polypoid and a medusoid stage. So there's like a polyp moment. And then there's also a medusoid moment. And the medusoid is like the jellyfish shape that we think of. Okay. 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 And so they live in colonies. Cool. Like there's some, some of them are colonial, whatever. Subclass. Groovy. Hydroidolina. 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 <laughs> Order Siphonophore. <laughs> These buggers are colonial. They cannot survive on their own. The individual organism is actually multiple individual organisms. We will come back to this. Suborder Faisaliidae, which includes the Portuguese man of war and the so-called flying spaghetti monster. What? Which is a popular name for a type of Faisaliidae. Wait, really? Feature. Is that it's mm-hmm. not from like a kid's thing? That's No, there's a Wikipedia article about it where it's like somebody coined the name and then it probably became popular on the internet as that and so i bet that's why there's a wikipedia article yeah. but i doubt that it's actually called that in scientific circles in any other way than a sort of joking i hope it is <laughs> sounds like a band name <laughs> it does doesn't it of like hip kids it's like a like a hip nine-year-old group well, 
it's a reference to like, oh, if you believe in that God, then, you know, how is your God different than my God? My God is the flying spaghetti monster. Why is it not as real as yours? You know, that's where I'm, that's why that sounded familiar. I was like, yeah, I it was kind of part of that moment. <laughs> yeah, I got it. OK, you know, speaking of Patton Ocelot, I think Patton Oswalt had a flying spaghetti <laughs> monster joke in one of his sets that was popular when we were in grad school. Oh, uh, OK. So family on down is the man of war. So the Portuguese man of war is the same species as the Pacific man of war. So everybody, it's just the same creature. Common names include blue bottle, which is an apt description. Sometimes when they wash up on the shores in large numbers, it looks like a bunch of blue plastic bottles that are on the shore. So they're, I don't know. Meredith, they're crazy. They're a <laughs> colonial siphonophore. Okay, so there's three types of medusoids. We have gonophores, siphosomal, and nectophores. And then the four types of polypoids, there's gastrozoids, gastrozoids with tentacles, gonozoids, and gonopalpons. And those are grouped into cormida beneath the pneumatosphore, which is a sail-shaped structure that's filled with gas. Is that the thing that you would see, like, floating above the water? There's one? Okay. Yes. It's it's shaped that there's, like, a... That's... This is all to say. They have this kind of gas bladder thing that kind of looks like a blue plastic water bottle, almost. And they fill that with up to 14% carbon monoxide. So, like, these guys are sinister. It's not even carbon dioxide. It's carbon monoxide, like the more serious one. Of course. So it's 14% up to, with a mean concentration of 2%, carbon monoxide in this gas bladder. And then that's how they, like, kind of float. And then they have all these structures that hang down that include tentacles. Okay. So the... The sail is maybe 10 to 30 centimeters. So that's like three and a half inches to like 12 inches. And it can be like six inches above the water. So it just is like up there. Okay. It can be deflated. So it can temporarily submerge. (laughs) There's three polyp types that there's dactylozoids, the defense which are the tentacles, because the, these long-ass tentacles, they just kind of, like, float through the water. Yeah. And they're just kind of constantly trying to fish, you know? They're mm. just trying to catch things. Yep. And so they'll catch, like, you know, immature, like, larval, mature adult, like, fish and squid. And then there are there's contractile tissues that will, like, draw it up, and then it will consume. <sighs> yeah. Large groups, they sometimes just like show up in large groups. And if there's like a thousand individual group that just shows up, they could completely deplete a fishery. They are sinister. Yeah, they're super sinister. And so they're either male or female. And they breed through broadcast spawning. So large groups of individuals come together and the females release their eggs and males release their sperm into the water column all at the same time. And sort of just a Portuguese man of war, like egg, sperm, soup. Extravaganza. <laughs> so fucking weird. Egg, spermaganza. Egg, spermaganza. <laughs> but the sail, that, that like gas bladder sail is what gives them their name. Because the man of war was an 18th century sailing warship. And 
It kind of looked like the Portuguese variety. Oh, oh, okay. But it has, you know, other names, other places, obviously. I mean, the venom will kill you, potentially. Uh, it stings up to 10,000 humans in Australia every summer, particularly on the East Coast. It can paralyze. I mean, this venom's designed to paralyze small fish and other prey and to kill them to eat, you know. And so this like dead and detached creatures still have this venom in their tentacles. So don't touch dead ones because it's not like they shock you with like an electric current. It's like toxins in their skin. And even if they're dead, they still have the toxins. Yeah. It's usually really painful in humans. Whip like red welts on the skin. That lasts normally two to three days. (laughs) I know, but it can, uh, it can cause symptoms that imitate an allergic reaction. Like anaphylaxis? Uh, like swelling of the larynx, airway blockage, cardiac distress, fever, shock, sometimes death. That's rare, but it happens. Like it doesn't seem that urinating on it does any good or using like vinegar or like a solution of ammonia. Like people have mixed reactions to it. People say it helps. People say it hurts. That's pe- that, that would be like peeing on your sting, not on the jellyfish, right? Right, right. Yeah, you can pee on the jellyfish all you want. That definitely works. <laughs> Depends on what you wanted to work for. Yeah. There's a few creatures that are immune to the venom and like it is hunted. The loggerhead turtle eats the Portuguese man of war. It's too thick for the stings to actually penetrate. Its skin is too thick. So Go turtle. Go turtle. Yeah, it's got some thick skin. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, that's kind of all I got. It's I think it's really interesting that this creature is one creature that's made up of other ones and that like what we see as the individual is actually like a colony of individuals that, you know, have, it it seems like there's kind of like a, you know, a a one, like the little baby's born and then it regenerates asexually and that it kind of develops these different like new things off of itself, but it still teams up as a medusoid, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm like fully grasping that, to be honest. (laughs) Me neither. Me neither. I was hoping to get a little bit more information, but everything's kind of either presented in super technical terms that are way over my head or in too simplistic terms. Yeah. I feel like we get that a lot of times, especially with like the non-vertebrate kind of stuff. It's either like, like you said, just very simple or I could never begin to understand it. Yeah. For real. Without a background in this. For real. But yeah, I mean, I was curious because this was another hydrozoan, like the immortal jellyfish and whatever creature I covered last week. I don't even remember. Um, It was like a um, hydra or hydroid. Yeah, it was another hydrozoan. Whichever one. I don't even remember. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, the other hydrozoans that I've done have this, you know, polyp medusa. Right stage and like life cycle and remember it was like the parents made it and they made the little planula and then that became a colony in the substrate and then that released medusae into the water you know it's kind of like a multi-step process and so i guess that this is like from the planula grows that sail shape thing and then everything else kind of grows off of it that seems to be my understanding, but I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, any questions, concerns, complaints, traumas? No. Cool. All right. Well, break time. Break time. 
This might surprise you, but we're not native duck speakers. I'm a badger. And I'm a newt. And I'm a cobra. But we are all united in our desire to successfully learn and speak fluent duck. With foul language, Brand Clubby's new language learning system for all duck-curious species. Using foul language's patented mallard immersion technique, you'll never have to worry about translating, memorizing, or learning boring rules of grammar. To quack your way to confidence, simply pick up our 10-tape starter set. And if you log into the Brand Clubby Lifelong Learners Portal today, you'll get 10% off your first order of tapes. With so many quacks to be quacked, why wait? And with our Learn to Quack Quick promise, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing except your monolingual status. <laughs> Honey bunches of oats. Feedback. feedback. We're in the feedback. Feedback. Mm-hmm. Feedback. <laughs> feedback. All right, we got some good ones for you this week. So Allison from Murfreesboro wants to know, how many flies is too many flies? Meredith, I've given this one a lot of thought over the period of years, so um, I definitely know my answer. I'm curious to hear yours. I'm sure there's a time when flies are like, a lot of them is maybe a good thing. There's like maybe a cow carcass in the field that just needs to let nature do what it will with 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 her, and and maybe then you can't have too many flies. Yeah, yeah. But I think inside my home, I you know, one is too many. (laughs) I extend that to be inside any enclosed space that's occupied by humans. That's not some sort of terrarium or sort of nature cultivation space. I would say that like a manufactured human occupied space. One is too many. Right. Yep. Agreed. So I guess that's too many flies. But maybe you're into flies. Maybe you're like a frog and, and all you can eat. I'm only speaking for myself. I, and and I'm no lizard person nor amphibian person. A nurin person. A nursin. Nursin. <laughs> I knew a girl once named Nursin. I wonder if she was actually a frog in disguise. Who? Yeah. I don't think she was. You knew a real life a nurse. In. Oh. Well, anyway, I guess a fish position is a nurse's exist. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Kevin from Santa Fe asks, where do elephants keep snacks? Do they have pantries? Not panties. I read it. <laughs> not panties. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, they do have panties, but do they have pantries is the question. Mm. Come on down to the elephant pantry. If they have pantries, I don't know where they are because, right? you know, I've never been to the desert or like, I don't know, Africa, the places of Africa and India where elephants hang out. I've never seen a pantry, but I could just not be looking hard enough. Yeah, I guess I don't know either. I feel like elephants are kind of grazers. I feel like they just keep their snacks like... There's there's snacks abound, you know, and they just like 
their snacks kind of are they're like on trees and stuff right yeah trees are they are they herbivorous i actually don't even really know i think they are i think they are herbivorous yeah so i guess i guess they keep their snacks on the trees that they grow on i don't they don't like accumulate them in a pantry yeah that's where they store theirs exactly yeah so i guess yeah that's where they keep their snacks at the source yeah it's a Right. It's a very limited supply chain. Yeah. Very minimalistic supply chain. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. And finally, Cedric from Chicago asks, do hot dogs like to dress up as wiener dogs? I'm going to say probably. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty obvious costume for a hot dog. <sighs> yeah, it's a little on the nose for me. It's a little like dressing up a wiener dog like a hot dog. I think it's funnier to dress oh, them up like a hamburger. That's really cute. Or a taco. A taco is pretty good, too. Mm, I think, I think, you know, Meredith, the problem that I'm having with this is that, like, I just imagine that... Like, if a hot dog were to don, like, a sort of, like, fuzzy costume, that some of that fuzz would, like, get stuck in the grease of the hot dog and then be, like, floating in the hot dog water. And I guess I just question the sanitary (laughs) nature of that. Right. Um, So I feel like the answer is no. What if they, like, did it in their off hours when no one was... Oh, okay. And they could, like, shower off. Oh, I see. Or, I mean, I think I'm really fixated on the wiener. I think I have to imagine the wiener and bun as, like, that is the hot dog. The hot dog is a composite organism, (gasps) just like my siphonophore friend, because it's made up of two individuals, but it's one thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. We've come... Oh, my God. It's like a hot dog. The Portuguese man of war is like the hot dog. Yes, we solved it. Oh, I feel so much better. So maybe we didn't answer your question, Cedric, but I think we answered a bigger question. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Keep the questions coming. We love to hear from you. Proud of you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.